0: Welcome to the Expert Gold Podcast, which helps entrepreneurs and business owners develop more magnetic messages on and off the internet. Now join your host, Gihan Pereira, as he helps you turn your ideas, insights, and expertise into practical business-boosting strategies, tactics, and actions. I had the opportunity to be interviewed recently by Andrew O'Brien, Steve Major, and Trevor Dixon of Trusted Authority Partners for the internet radio show, Trusted Authority Live, and they kindly gave me permission to share that interview with you here. So I hope you enjoyed, and if you'd like to find out more about Andrew, Steve, and Trevor, you can go to trustedauthoritypartners.com. Hope you enjoy the program.
1: Well, we're very excited today that we have as our special guest on Trusted Authority Live, Gihan Pereira. Um, amongst many things, Gihan is uh, an internet coach, but I think the way we know him more is, is one of the world's leaders when it comes to doing business online, to um, creating your, your special position, getting your content together, and then presenting it to the world in the online realm. Now, I know that hasn't done justice to all of the, the great things you do, Gihan, but welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks, Andrew. I know uh, Trevor Steve, and I have uh, been very keen to catch up with you and have a bit of a chat, and we thought we might just lead off if you could just give us the a bit of the background about your business journey uh, and how that's led you to the things you do today and maybe you could you could do a better job of telling us exactly what you do do than I have.
0: Sure. Actually, I think you did pretty well, Andrew. Uh, I'm an internet coach and and I work with business professionals So not just with any business but with professional businesses. So uh, professional service firms are a really good fit at the moment. I've also done a lot of work with professional speakers, trainers, coaches, consultants, all those sort of people who want to use their expertise and their authority to do their marketing. And I really help people with two areas, both the e-marketing and the e-learning. And I guess with professional service firms, it's most of the e-marketing side that we'll be looking at and I started doing this in 1987, not my business, but when I first started using the internet was in 1987 and I remember at that time I was studying at university and there was no World Wide Web, there wasn't internet, but we were using things like email and there were discussion forums, there were chat rooms, the sort of stuff that today we call social media and we didn't call it that at that time, of course, but it was all about people. There, There was no business presence on the internet and suddenly... Say in, in the mid 90s that the World Wide Web came along and then businesses started getting on the internet, started getting online, and you know, some very successfully, some not so successfully, as you remember, may, may remember the dot com crash. But I've always wanted to work with businesses that are focused on people and where it's the people who are marketing the businesses. So I'm really excited about what's happening now, where the internet has kind of gone back 25 years to being about people again. And it's all about how you, how you communicate, how you connect. With people and how you use your own personal expertise and authority to do marketing. So uh, that's uh, in, in brief, that's my journey. Fantastic.
1: Now, one of the um, one of the reasons we were so keen to talk to you is because I think it, it's fair to say you are a trusted authority. Um, the way you've gone about developing your business and the, your reputation, the way you're sought after for advice and and uh, to help people that you know you really are epitomize what it is to be a trusted authority. So I wanted to um, get you to, just before I hand over to Steve and Trevor to get them to ask a few questions, if you can tell us a little bit about how you think a firm can use online activities to develop authority. And then, as I think, uh, I'm not sure what the chicken or the egg in terms of your sense, but your online authority transfers into the rest of the business world. So um, if you start online, then you move it offline or how vice versa, if that makes some sense.
0: Yeah, look, I, let me tackle the second thing first. I, I think it's definitely a combination of online and offline authorities, not only about online. In uh, fact, I think I heard Jeff say last week, Jeff McDonald, that you can use online to also connect with offline with things like face-to-face meetings and i I fully concur with that i think that's a great idea i do the same thing here every two weeks in perth i run a one hour group mentoring meeting where i invite a small group of people and just help them i just answer their questions and use that as a way of marketing myself because they see that i do know what i'm talking about and that i am an authority so i definitely think there are that it's not just about online. And there are things like meetup.com and LinkedIn where you can actually connect the online and the offline as well. And um, that said, I think a lot now is about online and even if you're not doing a lot of your business online, whatever business you're in, and professional service firms in particular, I don't think are doing a lot of online stuff now. However, they're still being affected by what's happening online. We've seen this with retail at the moment, but it's also happening with service firms. There are people who are now outsourcing their accounting to somebody in Bangalore. Uh, there's software I read about recently, Andrew, that where um, legal work is being done automatically, Software, so it's software that's doing legal searches. There are websites where you can get documents where you just pay a small fee and you get a template pro forma document customized with some details on there and you've got it. So that's taking away some of the work that some law firms are doing. Um, real estate sites, you've seen that. Uh, there are a lot of places now where you can sell your own home and you can do as good a job, if not better, than what a professional real estate agent can do. Um, and uh, I think even in the speaking industry, that YouTube is providing a lot of material that speakers would otherwise be charging a lot of money for. I'm I'm not saying that things like YouTube and these legal online services are completely replacing the services that you're providing, but let's take YouTube, for example. Somebody, instead of bringing in a speaker at a conference, they might decide to save a lot of money and then, say, watch a video of Seth Godin talking about something and have a little group discussion around that. So it's not that they're replacing what you're doing. However, they're providing an alternative. And I think to answer your question about using online activities to develop authority, I think it's partly um, what you're already doing, but now taking it and delivering some of that online. Uh, and you've got to be choosy about how to do that. We may talk a little bit about that later. But I think that authority now is something that you can't buy. You have to earn authority. And the way that people make decisions now has changed uh, and I think service firms are finding this very much so at the moment that it used to be that if you wanted to do something, you'd pick up the phone and talk to your financial advisor or you'd talk to your accountant or you talk to your lawyer or you'd talk to even your car dealer if you're looking at replacing your car after a few years. But now people don't do that. The first thing they do is they do a Google search. Then they might look at their face, they might ask their Facebook friends or their Twitter followers, or they might read a blog somewhere, or they might be listening to a podcast or radio show like this. And then a few steps down the track, they might get further down the stage where they're ready to make a decision. And then, then they'll pick up the phone, and if you're lucky, they'll call you. Uh, If you're not, they won't call you, or they might call you among three or four other providers. And I think that's a danger for us. There's a danger that we become sidelined and a little bit of authority becomes diminished because we're not in front of them all the time. And to be in front of them, it means that you're delivering value to them regularly. And luckily, the Internet lets you do that. So I think that's a real key about being an online authority, is just being in front of them all the time so that when they're ready to make a buying decision, you're there and they'll think of you first. There's a few pills of of wisdom in that. There's a bit of a long answer there. That's fantastic. Steve, you were going
2: to say. So you're talking there about being in front of them all the time, and I think some people think of online activities as just marketing, but in essence what you were saying, it's a a whole lot more than marketing. Um, It's evidencing your expertise so that uh, your authority is being built by being there all the time.
0: Yeah, I think they're one and the same now, Steve. So I think if you say, well, is it marketing or isn't it? Well, they're they're, they're both the same thing, that people are going to buy you because you're an authority. Uh, I remember Steve Martin, and this is Steve Martin, the actor from way back in the, what, 80s and 90s, because I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. And I remember he was asked once in an interview, he said, what's the secret to success? And he said, be so good they can't ignore you. Uh, be so good they can't ignore you. And I think that is, the, if, you, if you want the whole idea of authority marketing summed up in one sentence, it's that. So just go out there and show how good you are, not because you've got a fancy brochure, not because you've got a client list as long as your arm, but because you are really good and you are, you're demonstrating that you can add value and solve your client's problems. And so what you do in your day-to-day practice automatically becomes marketing for future business.
2: I, I would agree that they are the same. I suppose too many see marketing in the, in the sense of the traditional meaning of the word and then they try to apply that onto their websites and onto their other online activities. So I would totally agree. I mean, one of the things that frustrates me with, uh, my former profession, the accounting industry is that you have a look at their websites and they all look the same. They're all, uh, telling the same technical services that they Can offer, so they're not doing very much at all to evidence that they are very good.
0: I I agree with you, Steve. And in fact, if anything, I think that we who are in service firms and offering any sort of services should be happy now that the internet has allowed us to actually just show off, if you like, but show not off, not as as in being a show off, but show off our expertise. And that's going to work for marketing. If you think about the way that people go and search something on Google, if The typical Google user, when they're searching for something, they're not thinking, how can I buy this? They're thinking, how can I do this? So if the the, the websites that come up to the top of Google are the ones that answer the how can I do this question, not here's something to buy. So the the sale comes a little bit later, and for us who've always been used to offering services and delivering value, this should be an opportunity, not a threat. Mm G'day Gihan. Trevor here, how you doing? Hey, hey Trevor. Mate, um,
3: one of the things I really love about your business is your Facebook page, Gihan Perra Internet Business Revolution and for anyone that's familiar with your work, I know you talk a lot about leverage and creating leverage. Um, can you explain a little bit for our listeners exactly what you mean by that and also how you can take that not just online but what it means in the offline world as well?
0: Yeah, sure, Trevor. So leverage is just doing more with what you've got. And I think there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that most businesses have that they're not fully taking advantage of. And one of the things I like to do is teach people how to take something they've got and then just use it in a number of different ways. So Trevor you asked about online and offline. So let's like if you look at online, it's about taking every article that you write. So let's say you write an article for one of your for a professional journal of an industry magazine. So You have the copyright on that article, so you can take that, publish it in a newsletter. Take every newsletter that you write, make it a blog post. Take every blog post, publish it automatically to Twitter and Facebook. Take a number of those articles and create a special report. Or run a webinar every three months, a free webinar, where you just say, here are the seven biggest mistakes that most... X, Y, Z industry people make and run that as a free webinar and just run the same webinar every three months and bring people into your into your marketing funnel. So is that the sort of thing you're looking at, Trevor, in terms of online uh, leverage? Well, it's the old adage of working smarter, not harder, isn't it? I,
3: mean, I really love how you use short stack on your Facebook page and give people access to everything that you've created and make it really, really simple for them.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good example, Trevor. And I'm not suggesting that every professional service firm should go down this this path just yet. In fact, I would recommend that you don't, but my Facebook page I don't put much work into, and yet there's a lot of content on there because it's my blog posts and my Twitter, my tweets that are going on there automatically.
1: You're, uh, you're listening to Trusted Authority Live, and our special guest today is Giham Pereira, who is uh, one of the world's leaders when it comes to doing business online and turning your ideas into... Um, well, value, I think, is probably the best way to put it. Uh, commercial and otherwise delivering value to people. And you know, one of the things that I've learnt from you, which is, has been a game changer for those people that I've passed it on to, is this, uh, talking about the way you let, you're talking about leverage. And that and traditionally, I think people thought, I have to be a writer. And so if I can write stuff, then I can do other things with it. But the way, the way you're, uh, now suggesting people do things online is they can record, <laughs> A presentation, a webinar, they can record a podcast, they can record a speech, um, and then they can have that transcribed and converted. So the people that, it's not just the writers or the traditional writers that, that can now be productive. People can, can start or enter in any space and then turn it into other uh, other mediums.
0: That's exactly right, Andrew, and I think that's fairly recent. It's recent because until recently, we haven't had fast Internet access, and until recently, we haven't had the ability for most ordinary Internet users to be able to consume audio and video easily. I remember when I was first starting my business 15 years ago, there were, there were people who wanted to put video online, uh, and we did it and we could do that for them but the, their users would have to download this plugin and install it on their PC and then run the video and it's just too hard but then things like YouTube came along things like Blog Talk Radio came along for this sort of thing and now yeah you're absolutely right that even if you don't record and transcribe into text the audio and video has value as well and I've always been a person who's found writing fairly easy so it's easy for me to write uh, it's easy for me to record audio I've hated doing video and I kind of resisted it, uh, maybe, I've, maybe I've just got, the, maybe I've got a face for audio, <laughs> but uh, I've kind of resisted video, but video is very, very popular, and I realized that I need to do more videos, so now the webinars that I record, they go onto my YouTube channel, so they're just different ways of doing it. There's a client of mine, Max Hitchens, he was my very first... Uh, expert client, my very first uh, individual client, and he loves video and he does it great. He just has two or three minute videos when he meets people at conferences, clients that he works with, and he just features them in his videos. So even if you don't like being on video yourself, there are ways that you can make it work for you. And you should, because there's there's no excuse anymore to say that I can't write, therefore I can't create content.
1: And I think you've just, again, given us another insight that... Often people think video means I'm going to be standing in front of the camera, looking down the, the barrel, uh, having to deliver three or five minutes word perfect. Whereas that's that is one way, but as you just said, you can you can record a webinar and turn that into video. But you can also use programs like uh, Camtasia and just put your audio over a, a, a like a PowerPoint or a Keynote presentation, and again you've got a video. So it's not just face-to-face on the camera, there are these other options for getting high content, um, great quality and good value out there in your video uh, as well.
3: Yeah, (coughs) that's really interesting. Sorry, sorry, Gihan, but I was just going to say the other really interesting part of that is the comment you made, uh, that you you really hadn't been using video and technology is changing so much today that you've just got to keep your eyes and ears open and take advantage of those opportunities when they come along and adapt and go with the flow to get more content out online
0: yeah absolutely and I, I also want to add that there's more than just you in your firm it doesn't have to be you uh, as in the principal of the firm or the partner who or the partners who are always showing their face on video there will be juniors in the firm or recent graduates who are fantastic they i mean they don't they don't worry about whether they can create video or not they're already doing video they're they're creating funny videos that they put up on facebook they have a facebook network they have a twitter network and actually if i come back to trevor your, your earlier question about leveraging offline i think the best thing that you can leverage offline is your people there are people who uh, there are senior people who complain about their the juniors who don't understand business development they only want to work in They just want to do their billable hours and actually maybe I shouldn't say billable hours because maybe that's one of Steve's hot buttons, but you know (laughs) what I mean. But you know what I mean That, that you kind of assume that your people are just going to come in and do the work for you. But I think that your people have got huge skills that most professional service firms aren't taking advantage of. And when it comes to things like blogging and podcasting and video and keeping your Facebook page up to date, why don't you get the savvy Gen Ys to do that for you? Because they would love to do it. They don't see it as a burden the way that some of some other people do. They, they think of it as something that would be a joy. It's almost like a, a reward for work well done. I think you really hit the nail on the
3: head there, Gihan, encompassing quite a few of the topics that we've been discussing so far, and that you can't really put a time sheet and a billable hour in place to measure the value that those younger people in your firm contribute by marketing your story and communicating it to the wider digital world and really getting your message out there. It's not something that you can say, that's worth so many cents per minute. It's just incalculable. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: So, Kiha, one of the other areas that I wanted to explore, um, I hope we're going to talk a little bit later about the notion of uh, free and and paid, but... One of the other challenges that we run into with uh, people is kind of relates to this notion of the long tail and that the the internet you know the, the sale can go on and on and on it's not in the, necessarily in the you know in the first five minutes but for a lot of uh, people who are thinking about putting things online they, they're very impatient it's like oh well, I wrote the blog post I did the webinar and the world didn't change overnight see it doesn't work I'll move on to the next thing how do you how do you go about in uh, making people aware of uh, it takes a bit of time, and and the there is return as you just keep. I think you said you you know, keep putting yourself in front of people over time. How do you how do you get people who are new to it to understand? Get some get a bit more patient.
0: I think it's always been that way, Andrew. It's just that now we're talking about some online tools that do that. There are and service firms know this. Retail, I think retail should do this, but they don't. And for a long time, they weren't able to get by with people just walking in and buying something and walking out and never see them again. But most professional service firms, they, they wouldn't survive if that was their philosophy. You have to build relationships. And there are, I bet you if I asked um, 90% of professional service firms, if I asked the principals, where do you get most of your business from? Most of them would say referrals. Mm-hmm and probably second would be repeat business. And so it's always been about building relationships, and all we're doing now is we're transferring that online. And, like, and maybe the only difference now is that you may be investing a little bit more time up front before that person becomes a client, in other words, before you can invoice them. But apart from that, everything you're doing is what you've always done. It's just that we're doing it using different media now. And I think the mistake that people make is that they think that this new media is like the traditional media. They think of it's, it's like putting an ad in the paper and seeing what the return is or taking out a spot on TV or creating a brochure and dropping it in letterboxes. Not that many professional service firms do that. But it's, you shouldn't compare it to traditional media. You should compare it to the relationship marketing that you've always done. Wonderful.
2: Thank you. So, Gian, now I'm going to uh, put you on the spot with a difficult question. We have listening, you know, professional service firms or as we like to call them, professional knowledge firms. So we've got accountants, lawyers, consulting engineers, architects, advertising agencies, those sort of firms. And some of them are are down the track with uh, some of this online world, but most of them, unfortunately, are still at the starting gate. So what would you say would be some of the... The uh, first priorities that a professional knowledge firm should be looking at, whether it's uh, the broader social media, whether it's other with their website, etc. I know it's a difficult question. I know it's um, a bit open-ended, but I wondered if you could at least uh, give us some ideas on starting here.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, website, newsletter, blog. Next question. <laughs> 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 no, seriously. Seriously, I think that. A lot of businesses get seduced or they get trapped into all this fancy new stuff like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+, doing these radio shows, YouTube, all of that. And I think you should start, your foundation should be those three things, your website, your newsletter and your blog. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So, website that demonstrates that you understand your clients' problems and that you've got solutions for them. That's That's what your website has to do. Whatever else it does around that or how it does that is irrelevant. You've got to demonstrate that you understand your client's problems and that you can provide solutions for them. Then your newsletter is what you send out, I would say, every month at worst, every two weeks if you can, that keeps that relationship going so that when they're ready to make a buying decision or when they're ready to start talking, they'll pick up the phone and talk to you. And your blog is what demonstrates your authority online. A lot of people ask me about the difference between the newsletter and the blog. The newsletter is temporary; it just goes out to your subscribers, and then they get it in their inbox. They delete it. The blog stays permanently on your, web, on your website or on the internet. So, Google every blog post becomes a web page, which Google can index, which you can send people to in the future if you want to. If you want to say that I wrote about this last week, um, but you do your newsletter and your blog, and then your website becomes the place where they come come to finally make the decision about doing business with you so i reckon you should start with those three there are a few exceptions so if you're an advertising agency of course if you're going to be telling people about twitter and facebook and you're offering that as part of your portfolio then of course you'll be doing you'll have a strong presence on on twitter or facebook if you're a recruitment company you'll probably have a strong presence on linkedin if you are uh, know, there are some engineering consultants who will want to have a strong presence in certain online communities and online forums because that's relevant to their particular target market. So, if, say, for, uh, there'll be mining forums that they'll join. But as a starting point, make sure you have a good website, newsletter and blog and then build on top of that. And I would even say ignore everything else until you get those three things in place.
2: I think that's uh, excellent advice and I just want to... Uh just reiterate what you just said there about a website that clearly shows the problems that you solve. I think uh, it's a message that we consistently talking about is um, is uh, working out what customers you want to serve and what problems you can solve. And I think you've just reiterated that, Gihan, with that message about the website. I think uh, it reinforces it that um, it's a key foundational element, those three aspects. So thank you for that.
1: Now, we're here on uh, Trusted Authority Live talking to Gihan Pereira. Um, Gihan, just before we go on, um, for people listening, and they might want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I bet you it's online.
0: <laughs> that is it. That's the best place to get started, and it is at dot It says G-A-H-A-N p e r e r a dot com and on there like one of the things I do and, and you know this is a place where you can go and test whether i 'm actually practicing what I preach, uh, but I do talk about the particular clients I work with the problems I solve, and at the bottom of every page i 've got full contact information so you can get in touch with me because I want to make that connection from online to offline or online to phone as soon as possible so I try to do what I'm advising people to do, which is, yeah, have an online presence, but if people really want to do business with you, don't make it difficult for them. Make it easy. Publish your phone number. Publish your email address on every page so that you can start the offline relationship as well. Wonderful. Now,
1: we were talking earlier about um, creating once and using in multiple times. Just before we sort of move on, Uh, Because I I think Trevor might want to ask you a bit about trust online, but just uh, any tips you you have for people in this space of creating one, uh, creating once and using it multiple times?
0: Um, Look, I think the biggest objection I get when I make that suggestion to people, and I've said that like take your newsletter and publish it as a blog post, take your blog post, publish it as an article and then create a special report out of it. I think the biggest objection I get is that people say, well, everyone will see that I'm just creating the same content over and over again, so they won't see anything new. And I understand that objection, but it's mostly your perception. It really is that... Uh, most people aren't so obsessed with you that they're gonna say, Oh, he published an article, newsletter, and blog all in the same day with the same content. Most of them won't. I mean you're lucky if they even see all three of those things. They they just won't. So some people do like listening. So they'll download this radio show and listen to it in the gym, which is what I like doing. Some people will like reading and they'll read it on screen or they might prefer to to download it and read it on their iPad later. Some people like watching videos. So create content in multiple forms so that people, so you're actually helping people rather than ripping them off in some sense. And if you're, actually, if you're at all worried about the fact that you're doing duplicate content, don't do it all on the same day. So I just, the way I do it is I just have a little spreadsheet <laughs> that whenever I publish an article, I will have a column that says um, website, newsletter, blog, podcast, and then I tick to say whether I publish it in those areas. So I don't publish them in all four places on the same day. But I can go back to the spreadsheet, and wherever there's a blank, I can say, okay, now I can publish that article to my newsletter. Maybe next week I'll publish it to my blog. So I think that gets over the biggest objection that people have to doing that duplicate content thing.
1: And I think, the, I think the other thing which works really well there, and, and that you do it anyway, is that you tell people, I'm going to publish this in these different places because... My listeners and my, my audience are busy people. They don't, not everybody uses every channel. And so I'm putting it into these different places so that you can find it in the place which works best for you. So even if I do come across it in four spots, you've told me why you're doing that. And I'm thinking, hey, that's really cool because you're actually doing it like this to make it easier for me. If I miss it in one forum, I'll get it somewhere else. So it gives you the excuse to do it anyway. And I think it's just, it's a beautiful way of, of doing it. Yeah, just be in service.
3: Jihan, I'd like to segue between this topic we're discussing on content and move on to something else I'd like to discuss, which is trust. But before we do that, um, I know one of the biggest challenges that I have and it's experienced through all the professional knowledge firms is it's a pain in the proverbial to sit down and get in the habit of writing content all the time. So what are some of the tips that you could probably give us on different ways that you can generate content just to break that up and how, moving on to the next topic, how do you actually write that then so that you're creating trust in everything that you're delivering?
0: Okay, I think there are a couple of things with the writing content and uh, actually Andrew touched on this earlier when he said you don't have to only write it. So people feel, and this is coming from the past, that Good good quality content has to be a long 700, 800-word article, but nowadays it doesn't need to be that. So a blog post might be a couple of paragraphs, it might be something that you read in the age of the Sydney Morning Herald, and... You write a little paragraph saying, this was just reported today, and then you write a second paragraph saying, here's our take on it, or here's my take on it. And that becomes a blog post. In fact, that can even expand into a short article, and that can go into a newsletter. In fact, in your newsletter, shorter is better. Um, similarly, you might take a photo. So yesterday, I was just walking through a local suburb here in Petsubiaco, and there was a bookshop that had uh, a big, their big promotion is All Books $5. So it's one of these um, bookshops that's trying to get rid of books. Uh, you won't them. find a couple on the run on sale there. Uh, no, it. definitely not. <laughs> one of those remains, so they're selling remainders, that's the word I was looking for. And I was just thinking, like so on their on the big front window, it's all books, $5. I took a photo of that because I'm going to use that, publish it as a blog post somewhere, and it's just going to be a two-paragraph blog post saying, here is this retail store's uh, unique selling proposition. I don't recommend that you do this. I don't recommend you discount, but do your customers understand yours? Uh, your unique selling proposition or your unique buying advantage as clearly as the customers of this bookshop do. Now, that's content. It's a photograph with one paragraph of text. So I agree with you, Trevor. it's hard to sit down and write, but just, I think, change your mindset around what act- what content actually is. It could be a photo. It could be a link to an article. It could be a link to a website. It could be, as Andrew said, just doing a quick three-minute tutorial of how to do something in Excel, or it could be how to use the ATO's website. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be something that takes an hour or two hours to write. The second thing around that is, again, I'll come back to something I said earlier, you don't have to be the person who does it. I bet you, if you are in a firm of more than five or more people, there will be somebody who will be keen and enthusiastic to to create content for you. So take advantage of them.
3: I think that's a salient point there, Gihan, that it's not all about you sitting down at your desk. I think that's one of the hardest things people um, really have to grasp is you've got to get out and about and actually get into the world of where your customers live, see what's happening in there, and communicate your message around their world and the problems that you're solving for them.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you want me to talk about the trust issue, uh, Trevor? because you asked about that as well? Mate. I'm, I'm sitting here
3: with weighty
0: breath <laughs> look I think the biggest thing you can do for trust online is just to do what you say you'll do and that comes back to, that comes down to consistency and I know you've talked about this on Trust and Authority live in the past but be consistent just be out there doing stuff and uh so I have decided that one of the things that I'm going to do for high-quality content is I run a free promotional webinar every two weeks. So it's every second Thursday at the same time. It goes for half an hour, and the people who are registered for that series, they know that I'm going to be there, and they're going to get value from me every two weeks. If, if I did it, say, randomly, it wouldn't work. Oh, it would be much less effective. Similarly, those group mentoring sessions that I mentioned earlier, I used to kind of do them randomly. Like whenever I was free on a Friday morning, I would say, okay, let's run one of these. Now that I've made it every two weeks and I'm going to be there and people still have to register, uh, but they know that I'm going to be there on those dates. They can put that in the calendar and, and I'll be there and I'll deliver high-quality content each time. So I think a big part of trust is making sure that you set high standards and then make make promises and then, and then deliver on them. And that's true online just as it is offline.
3: Gihan, I know last week in your newsletter you talked a lot about um, collaboration or competition. I think that probably goes to a lot of generating trust as well. Do you want to comment a little bit on what you were speaking about there?
0: Yeah, now you're going to hold me to what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, I, I really think this is a real opportunity. So some people will see this as a threat. So... Okay, the, you talk about authority. You're talking about trusted authorities, in fact, trusted authority partnerships. I talk about authority marketing. Maria Carlton in New Zealand talks about from idea to authority. And if you look at all three of us and we're talking about the same sort of idea and there's quite a lot of overlap in what we do, but the fact that there's overlap is fantastic. It means that you can interview me and I bring my little spin onto the authority piece. It means that I can interview you. And you'll bring your spin onto it, or Maria brings her spin onto it. I think there's a huge opportunity to collaborate here, because what you're doing as an authority is it's not only your expertise that you're bringing to your clients. You're also bringing your uh, bringing other people's expertise, and no one expects you to be the to know everything that your client needs that your clients need to know. However, what can you do? That brings in other people. And this comes back to one of, I think one of the key principles about business, and it applies to everyone, is give them what they, give them what they want, not just what you've got. So if you know, like if you have a strong relationship with your clients, you know more about their business than you can help them with. But you might know other people who can help them with other parts of their business. Mm -hmm. And the people who are most likely to be able to help are people who work with the same sort of market, but have a different spin than you do. And your clients will love that. Those people that you bring in as joint venture partners or as collaborators, they'll love that as well. And you should love that as well because then you become more useful and more valuable to your clients.
2: Thanks that, Gihan. So Gihan, you've talked uh, quite a bit, even on just answering Trevor's tough question there about uh, the collaboration was establishing authority, which obviously is a theme that we also fully endorse. And one of the aspects um, in the whole of the last uh, thirty-five minutes or so of our conversation has been that you're utilising these various tools to uh, showcase your knowledge, uh, and, and there's different, as you said, the website, the newsletter, the blog, and then of course there's all the other tools that are uh, that are relevant, and obviously particularly in the professional knowledge firm space, it's this showcasing aspect rather than uh, uh, any glorious marketing uh, spin is the biggest issue. But now for another tough question, where do you see all this heading into the future? I mean, we've had in the last 10 years an incredible changing landscape. You mentioned you've 1987 and you were talking about there was no World Wide Web and I try to tell my children about when I started as at an accounting firm and the concept of email didn't even really exist and I certainly didn't have a computer on my desk. And we're about the same age, Guyan. So uh how about some predictions for the next few years?
0: Look, the first thing I'd say is that any professional service firm, uh, particularly professional service firm, we should be rubbing our hands with glee at the moment. Uh, so if you're any sort of service industry, the, the world is just, it's just perfect for us at the moment to be marketing. It comes back, I gave you that example earlier where people are searching Google for information and we're the people who can provide information. Even retailers should be doing this but they tend not to. And it's also harder for them because they're, they're not necessarily selling advice and experiences. They're selling physical products. So for us, it should be easy. So that's the first thing, that, that the internet has changed in the last five or so years and just understand that it has changed in your favor if you take advantage of it. Of course, if you don't, then your competitors are going to be taking advantage of it. And I think this is only going to grow. This is only going to get... Um, more and more important with things like things like google plus i think what's changing is that some of that traditional marketing even traditional internet marketing is changing so the fact that uh, the the idea that you can that you can succeed simply by advertising or you can su- succeed simply by having the right keywords on your page that doesn't work anymore People like Google and Microsoft with their Bing search engine, they're looking at what are other people saying about you and what are their friends saying about you. And that's how you're going to get to the top of Google if you want to use a very specific example. So I think for us, the idea of authority marketing, it's it's we're really just beginning. So if you're looking for trends and like specific trends, I think we're going to go much more mobile. So people are going to be um, using the Internet on their mobile devices. So, again, it's really important to have an online presence because people aren't necessarily just sitting at their desks in their office. And this, uh, the idea of looking for content is going to grow as well. So that's really the big thing that's going to happen. And it's going to be fantastic for us. We're going to take advantage of it. And it's going to be a challenge if we don't because I think the world is getting... The world is flat, so the, the service, services are being outsourced to India and uh, Brazil and Russia, um, products being outsourced to China, and there are real opportunities for us if we take advantage of it, but real threats if we don't.
1: So, Gihan, one of the, the other issues that I sort of flagged earlier, and again, it's another challenge that a lot of people have, is this um, what to provide online for free as as opposed to what you charge for. And I know, as you mentioned before, your webinars where you give great value and there's a fortnightly free one. Uh, A lot of people go, oh, he's giving away too much good stuff, We should be charging for that. What what do you say to those people uh, and this balance?
0: Yeah, look, and I feel for you because I completely get that. I completely understand that, especially when what we're doing is we're selling our information, our knowledge, our wisdom, and our insights. It's, it's a challenge to be giving that away because we don't want to dilute the value of what we're giving to our paid clients. So look, I'll just say a couple of things. So one is, do it on your own terms. So Whatever do, what do you, you give away free, do it on your terms and make a conscious decision about that. So if for example, if somebody asks me a question in an online community, I'll provide an answer. But if they then dig deeper, sorry, if somebody asks a general question of, of a forum, then I'll, and I've got the answer, I'll answer it. But if they then dig deeper and they want to ask me something more specific, I'll say, look, I, I help my clients do this. This is uh, join my membership site or take up one of the consulting options. And I feel like I'm not, I'm not tricking them. I'm not deceiving them. I really do need a one on one better understanding of them before I can provide any specific advice so that 's one of the distinctions that i 've made that i 'm happy to offer a, certain, a limited amount of general purpose advice free, but if it 's specific, it would be irresponsible of me not to have them as a client and for me to understand them better. Um, the second thing is think about ways that you can offer. Things that have a very low marginal cost. So, for example, I, in addition to those free webinars, I run paid client webinars as well. Now, for me to invite somebody onto that client webinar, even if they're not a client, but just to give them a taster of what what I can do, that costs me nothing the marginal cost is so low. It's, in fact, it literally is zero except for a few seconds for them to register for the webinar that I don't mind bringing them in. So it doesn't cost me anything to bring them in and then to showcase the best that I've got. Similarly, with my group mentoring, if I invite somebody along as a guest, then it doesn't cost me anything. I mean, they even pay for their own coffee. So just be, so the the big thing about providing stuff free is do it on your own terms and do it in a way that's not going to cost you. And it's not going to dilute the value that you offer to paid clients. And legitimately, there's a reason why paid clients are paid clients because you have a relationship with them and you're offering specific advice that's that's going to help them in their unique circumstances.
1: So once again, some invaluable advice in in, in your answer to that question. Thank you very much. Now, Steve and Trevor, before I um, wrap this up with Gihan, any uh, final questions that either of you would like to ask?
3: No or, final questions. Or me, comments? Quick, quick observation. Um, thanks very much. It's been really insightful today, Gihan. And um, One of the things I've taken away, when we do the story of the week each week, I'm going to start doing a video on that so that we've got more content going online, all from the same amount of work that we're doing. Thanks for that. Steve.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Steve?
2: And uh, once again, thanks uh, for taking the time, Gihan, to to join us. The thing that um, I firmly believe, but it's always good to uh, be it reinforced, was... The internet has changed in our favour and it's only just begun. I think that's the, uh, uh certainly a, an important message to understand that um, we can build our authority by showcasing our knowledge and uh, the world has changed in our favour.
1: So one of the things I wanted to say uh, or just before we, before I do that, uh, Gihan, is there anything else you'd like to really say as a, as a comment, anything else you think we, sh- we should have talked about that we didn't?
0: Look, the only thing I want to add is that I think Trusted Authority Live is a perfect example of putting into practice the principles that we've talked about today. Uh, you've, you've made a commitment to do it regularly, consistently, and give away really high-quality content to demonstrate to your authority, and I think it's a perfect example of somebody doing exactly what we've been talking about. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. It's been uh, certainly been our our uh, pleasure and privilege to have you on the show today. Now, what I was going to say as a, as a as my sort of close was that, whether it's uh, you know in the courtroom, watching a a judge or a lawyer at the top of their game, or watching sport, a concert, a speech, anywhere where you go in life where you see someone who's uh, one of the best in action, you can't help but one be impressed by the way they do it. But two, if it's a field where you work as well. You kind of have the content and the process, so you're enjoying the actual information that's being provided and the way it's doing, but you're getting almost as much out of watching the person in action. And what I would say to people who are listening here, uh, what you need to do is you need to get along and participate in one of Gihan's webinars. If you can go to his other activities, that's great, but we can all get to one of his webinars and you'll see... Uh, one of the best, if not the best in action, and you won't, um, if you're thinking about doing webinars for yourself, you won't uh, help but be impressed by not just the content, but the way he goes about it, it's it's just, I just go to watch the, the way it's done, it's just, it's magnificent, and I do get a lot of value from the content as well, but uh, it's it's a true artist in action, and so, Gahan, you've got a couple of books uh, that are available as well, Fast, Flat and Free, and Webinar Smarts so are two that spring to mind.
0: Anything else you'd like to say about those? Exactly. I think those those are the two that i that I recommend, Fast, Flat and Free, and you can get that at fastflattenfree.com. Uh, that's really about how the internet's changed your business, and I think for every professional service firm, that is very, very relevant to what you need to do now and to just safeguard yourself for the future. And Webinar Smarts? Webinar Smarts is for people who want to do webinars. And, again, if you want to provide high-quality webinars, whether they free or paid, uh, there are a number of professional service firms now who are offering paid webinars uh, as an additional income stream. But if you want to get good at webinars, then I'd recommend Webinar Smarts, which, again, com is where you can get it from.
1: Wonderful. And just to remind our listeners again, we did mention it earlier, but one more time, if they're looking to... Uh, Contact you. The web address is?
0: GihanPereira.com.
1: Magnificent. So uh, this is Andrew O'Brien with Steve Major and Trevor Dixon on Trusted Authority Live. We've been very lucky to have our guest here today, Gihan Pereira. Gihan, thank you very much for appearing on Trusted Authority Live, and, and I hope we can allure you back uh, behind the microphone to join us again one day in the not-too-distant future. All the best, and thank you very much.
0: Thanks very much, and thanks for the great work you're doing. You've been listening to the Expert Gold podcast. Visit us on the web at gihanperera.com. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. You can join the podcast, listen to past issues, and leave your comments, suggestions, and ideas. We look forward to having you back soon. In the meantime, remember, great minds don't think alike.